Hi, my name is Matt Hilton, and I am a realtor in Dallas, Texas, and I'm so excited to share on Conversations with Pearl today. Hey, everybody. I am back. This is Pearl with Women's Successful Living, and we are on for another episode of Conversations with Pearl. And you guys, if you're a normal listener on here frequently, you know it's very rare that we have gentlemen on the show. And two days in a row now, I've had the pleasure of having met some amazing men uh, through Michelle Jewsberry. And today is no different. We have a great guest today. And today our guest is Matt Hilton, and he is a lifelong entrepreneur, a Dallas native with an unmatched knowledge of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and the first to graduate from a major university on both sides of his family. As the eldest of four siblings and the devoted father of four, Matt's passion for real estate over the past two decades has propelled him to become consistent top producer among his peers. Beyond his thriving career, Matt finds fulfillment exploring the world, impacting lives, and hosting the Matt Hilton Show. And at it, it was at the age of 43 that he broke his silence, embarking on a purposeful journey to live his truth. Today, as a captivating speaker, Matt imparts the five essential declarations that empower others to embrace their own truth. His mission is simple yet profound to inspire imagination, lead with love, and listen intently to the stories that shape our shared human experience. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pearl. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So excited to have you here. And, uh, you know, let's talk about, uh, first of all, I love Dallas, Texas. I have many friends in the in the area there. And um, I always try to sneak away and go visit with them as well. So um, tell us about Matt. Tell us a little bit like what led you down the path and give us a little insight to your story. Yeah, thank you. So, um, yeah, thank you for that introduction. Um, And you know, a lot of who I am and and where I grew up and all was was already stated, but I did grow up here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I'm the oldest of four. I'm actually a father of four as well. Um, so I have three girls and a boy, um, and they are my pride and joy. They are my, what you call my why of, you know, why I do what I do. And um, so that is a little bit about me. Um, I was a straight-A student in school. Um, I love to go out and uh, ride my bike, and um, I threw papers at the age of ten years old. And I, <laughs> the other day, girl, I was looking in some a box of just goodies my mom had given me years ago, and I found this letter that I had sent out to everybody in the neighborhood that I threw uh, papers to, with an introduction, my phone number, my address, like, and a picture was at the bottom. And so. At the age of 10, and I was already learning how to market and do all that sort of stuff and didn't even know what that was. So it was uh, it was interesting. That's funny. I mean, I was just sitting there to talk about throwing paper. So my husband, he used to do that too. Like throw, he goes, yeah, it was a newspaper delivery. I'm like, we don't even like, I don't even think we have the option to have a paper delivered anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen papers on people's sidewalks anymore. <laughs> Who would have thought we'd be in a digital world of reading the news online, you know, back then? And then, and how cool is, like you said, like you you read, you found that note and, you know, a look back into our childhood and 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 what you did. Like you said, you're already learning the market and being an entrepreneur back then. It's just so cool. And so let's talk about our, you know, I've been talking a lot lately online about our saboteurs and judges. And how our childhood shows up in our adulthood. And, you know, and and for the moms that are listening and dads that are listening, understand that what we say and our actions towards our kids to like seven, eight years old, it impacts our adulthood. And if you think about that, you know, I was sharing my story with um, the transition. We were hoping to help my mom move here, but that's gone south. And so, uh-huh. 
I was like going, wow, when I sat, when I got home and I actually last week I had um, a, a one-to-one meeting with somebody I had met through a mastermind I'm doing. And she's a trauma coach, but she works with people. She's an accountant trauma coach, which I thought was really cool. And her name is Juanita. And she works with people who they get to a certain level in their income and they get stuck. And she's like, let's talk about why you're stuck. Why you don't think you deserve to earn more. And when, and when she was walking through it, I kind of, she sort of coached me on our session and it was really cool. And it brought up like, yeah, when I was young, when my mom and dad had me, they were like barely 18, 19 years old. And here they are. My mom's stuck with this baby at 18 years old. And my dad's off the war. And she's like, you basically took your mother's youth away because she's stuck with you. Your dad's at war and she's watching all her friends go out and have fun. I'm like, Wow, that was, you know, that that explained why my childhood was the way it was. You know, I I was like, and why I became a people pleaser because, you know, I was watch, helping babysit my sister and brother and do all these things that, you know, to make sure yeah. I was my parents. And so what what would you say that some of the childhood things that happen in your life have affected you today? And I know it's going to lead us into your story as well. So wherever you want to go with it, go right, go take us away. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So I kind of come at it from a different perspective, maybe, um, because I grew up very similarly. My parents were 18, 19, actually 18 and 20 when they had me. Um, and we grew up in a 1300 square foot house. Again, there were six of us, four kids and my mom and dad. My mom and dad gave their master bedroom or primary bedroom to the three boys. And my sister got her own room that they went into one of the secondary rooms also. Getting ready for church services in school. Um, in a one and a half bedroom house with six people running around um, was quite interesting. Mom was very much on schedule. Um, she cleaned the house every day, like she vacuumed every day, swept. Um, she dusted probably twice a week, if not more. Um, so our house was very clean. Um, and that that has projected on me. Um, I'm, a, I'm a clean person, right? So, um, but as far as my parents, I didn't know growing up, girl, that we were lower middle class. Uh, my dad was a mechanic. My mom kept kids at the house. Like there was a time that she was probably keeping around 13 kids or so. Um, in, in addition to the four of us. Um, and I know that the state would not have approved of that, right? Because one and a half bathrooms. Um, but yeah, so, but I didn't know we we were lower middle class. Like we had everything, we had food, shelter, and water. You know, we had the essentials of life, um, and I didn't know any better. Um, and I wanted to go to college, as you mentioned in the in the intro. I wanted to go to college to be a doctor. Um, I, for some reason, I wanted at a young age to not keep the cycle going. I wanted to break the cycle of, you know, I didn't want to be a blue collar worker and living paycheck to paycheck. I saw my parents doing that. And um, I knew there was much more out there. Like Pearl, we we went on vacations, but it was vacations where we could drive to. I think the furthest vacation we went as a child was maybe to Tennessee um, and went to Dollywood and all that sort of stuff. And then we drove back home. Um, and I just knew there was so much more out there um, and I wanted to explore. And so I have you know, I went to college, got the degree. Um, I've traveled the world. I went uh, to eight different places last year. Um, and just, I love living life uh, because we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. And um, these are things that I have taught myself or learned myself over the years. Um, 
I grew up in a very strict Christian household, um, Church of Christ, which if people aren't familiar with Church of Christ, maybe they know what Baptist is or Southern Baptist. Um, Church of Christ is a very strict Southern Baptist. There is no drinking, no dancing, no cursing, no no anything, right, that would give you enjoyment, <laughs> right? Um, so, um, you know, we, we, um, we were a tight-knit family. Like, growing up, we were all, like, playing together, and we ate dinner together at the table. Um, we had so many fun conversations and memories um, at the kitchen table. Um, but I did grow up learning and being um, programmed through my Christian upbringing. Um, and I was programmed that certain things were not good. And that if those things were in your life, then you were not a good person. And I think that when children grow up and they they hear that they're either good or bad, that is not good for their psyche <laughs> at all. Um, because you don't want to ever think that you are a bad person. What you do is bad, maybe, but you are not a bad person, right? And I think when we tell them, oh, you're a good boy or you're a good girl or bad, like that just, that messes with people. Um, so yeah, that's a, uh, yeah, that's so true. Like what we say and what we, you know, to our kids. And that's so true. Like, like you're right, you do good things. And there's things that we do that are not right, that are bad, right? And so to have a conversation with our children or with the, the whoever the challenge is with is to have that conversation with like, you know what, and I remember I, I used to coach Dale Carnegie. And I one of the things we talked about was like, find, you know, the action that was good. And then mm-hmm. Avoid the but word because the but word is your eraser, right? right? And the word and is such leads you to, you know, what I saw Johnny, I saw you talk to your friend that way. And I saw you listen to them. I saw you be concerned about what had happened to them. And, you know, because maybe they were bullying them, right? And then you can say, and when you then started saying all these bad things, you know, whatever, that's not, you know, that's not fair to your friend that's not acceptable behavior whatever that is you know i think it's so so important um and i i wrote down footloose movie when you were talking about the the dancing and everything that's uh-huh. my favorite movie actually that's the first date i had with my husband to go see that movie and i love that movie and so uh, you know i thought about you know like you said a thing of enjoyment right like no you said, don't do that don't touch those you know that's such bad things right and i and remember talking about footloose pearl like I, that was a movie we couldn't watch I bet growing up like Top Gun was a movie that was on. And then I remember specifically one morning, Sunday morning after a sermon, the preacher spoke about watching rated R movies or those things that, you know, have um, some scenes that maybe children shouldn't see or that even adults shouldn't see and subject themselves to. And mom went home and threw away the Top Gun videotape. Totally threw it away to get it out of the house. And I'm like, wow, looking back on that, like that just Oh my gosh, crazy. that's funny. Um, yeah, so I was I wrote that down. You know, and talking about um kids, I wanna I know I've shared this so for the listeners, if you've listened before, you've probably heard this before, but I want to remind those that are listening again. I, you know, my husband and I we tried for 10 years to have our boys and, and we adopted our oldest son, and then our youngest son we had through the help of doctors, but I remember I had a, a coworker at where I worked at in the um, mortgage business, and I would see him. Um, I stopped one time to go to the grocery store, something. I was I saw him sitting outside a coffee shop with this with this one of his kids, and I was like, I see you often out there doing that. And he shared with me, he goes, I've done that with my kids since they were babies. Like when they were babies, I knew a my wife needs her time as well, 
And B, I wanted to create and establish a relationship with my child. So he said, I would take them to coffee or breakfast. Yeah, they couldn't talk or anything for, for, you know, have engaging conversation, but I had the act of spending time with them and creating that time with them. And so he said, so then as they got older, he said, I created the fact this table that we're sitting at is your safe space. You can tell me anything you need to tell me and I will protect you outside of breaking the law. You know, he's like, they can tell me anything, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever's happening in their world that they want to discuss, they knew that A, I wasn't going to go back and tell their mom and B, this is our time together and I will help you see, work through whatever you need help working through. Or I would just listen, right? If you just need me to listen. And so that was so powerful for me. I think by then my kids, my oldest was probably um, in fourth grade. My youngest one was in kindergarten. So I went home and I showed that with my husband. And when we moved here to Florida over 17 years ago, I started doing that with my, with my boys and you did it. He did it separately. He had, I think he had three kids. So he did it separately with each kid. And what I found was, as my kids got older and became, you know, in high school and like that and their adulthood, I um, mean, my oldest is forever 25 and my youngest will be 24 in January. But mm-hmm. I remember they would call me like my oldest, it was sushi. If he called me and said, mom, can we go have sushi? I knew he wanted to talk. My youngest one, it was about going to the movies. Hey, mom, I'm going to go catch a movie. It's like, okay, we're going to have a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And so I I think that for those that are listening, creating that safe space for your kids to allow them is so powerful, even when they're little, because like we talked about the things we say or do can affect them as they become older, right? And so you can create that state, that space of saying, you are seen, you are heard, and you are accepted to be seen and heard, right? And so I love that we you talked about that. And then I also want to touch on how you're right, life is so flighting. We don't know what the next five seconds is going to happen. And you know, my world was that on July 25th of last year, we're literally 20 minutes after we had talked to our son, he lost his life in a car accident, you know, so you don't know. So I mean, I knew then even before we lost him, cherish every moment, spend every time together. I mean, like, like I said, we talked to him 20 minutes before he passed. But the day before he was in my garage, um, doing some work with my husband and we're throwing water bottles at each other, you know, so we had those great moments together. And, and so I love to do sh- that you remind us of that because it's really important. And then the other thing too, that, you know, that you talked about was breaking the cycle, right? So I, I want us to lead to that because I know you had, you had a cycle, you broke, not just with the blue collar cycle, but you also had some things that were very, you know, change, changing for you in your life. And I want us to touch on that, but, you know, we have to realize and understand we don't have to continue the path of what we grow, what we know. You can break the cycle. It's okay. I mean, with me, you know, I was a daddy's girl for the long, I mean, the world revolved around my dad. And when we had our kids, you know, my parents were very involved, very excited for us. But as our kids became voices of their own and they could share their voices, behaviors that I saw as a kid that I kind of forgot about it, you know, we kind of bury that sometimes started to come out towards my children. And one that was not acceptable that I had to put a permanent fence and lock the fence on was that my dad become racist towards my oldest. My oldest we adopted, he was mixed race. Mm. And his behaviors and actions. And the thing was, my son, you know, even though we had that safe space of having time together, he still was trying to protect me because he didn't want me to know what his grandfather was doing. And he had a friend come and tell me. And like I said, I, you know, I, I locked that fence up. And with my mom, you know, here we are years later trying to help her and everything. And there's actions and things that she's doing, behaviors that I remember seeing as a kid. 
And I was like, you know what? I coach and I talk about and I work on boundaries, setting boundaries. And so, I, you know, back in the day, we were told, accept the behavior, they're your parents, right? And I locked the fence and I did a TikTok about this where you can divorce your parents. It's okay because it's no different than a relationship that you're in that's that's a you know not a healthy relationship. What do we do? We leave. We leave relationships that are traumatic to us that maybe are domestic violence, sexually you know violent, whatever those are. We leave those. It's okay to say I'm leaving my parents. And if you're listening, it's okay to say the actions of my kids are not acceptable. You know, I mean, I have a friend who her son was a severe addict, and she said, you're not allowed here. You're not allowed in my life. When you clean up, I'll be here. And that was after trying, you know, I'm not saying just take your kids out, but that was after trying years upon years upon years with trying to help with rehab and things like that. Sometimes we have to understand. And, you know, it's funny, we we're talking about church. I, I went to a retreat years ago and our pastor, we got to have some one-on-one time with him. And he said this, and it was so profound for me. And so if you're listening, take notes. He said, Pearl, we don't get to pick our parents. You know, God picks our parents for us. We're going to love them because they are our parents. However, this is your game of life. If you are a baseball fan, a football fan, whatever game you're playing, you're playing a game of life. So if they can't play by the rules you set in the game of life, they sit on the bench and it's okay. And I'm telling you, Matt, once he told me that, I was like, this is so powerful. And I was 43, 45 years old. My parents divorced after 40 some years of marriage. It was like, I'm being pulled, right? Mm-hmm. So I love that you talked about breaking the cycle because that, that you know, we can break the cycle of saying, well, yes, that's because of who they are. We have to accept that. You don't have to accept that behavior. You can set boundaries around it. And that's why I, I love coaching women on that is how do you set boundaries around your life around difficult relationships? How do you set boundaries around relationships you still have to be involved in that you don't want to be involved in, but you know you've got to have interaction with, right? And yeah. so I would love you to talk to us, lead us into, you know, we shared in your bio that, you know, at the age of 43, you broke your silence and you started on your journey. I would love you to share that journey with us. Sure. It's a long journey, Pearl. <laughs> um And I appreciate you talking about the safe space at the table because growing up, I didn't feel like I had that safe space. Like I felt that there would be immediate judgment, that there would be immediate like pulling away. It would it would ruin the relationship I had with my parents. And I said I was a straight A student. I never got in trouble in high school. Like I didn't I wasn't the partying guy. I wasn't that person. Like I would go to school. I'd come home. I'd do my homework. Like I did all the right things. Right. Because. One, I didn't want to disappoint my parents. And so, you know, growing up, I would have conversations, Pearl, because I didn't have an addiction. I'd have conversations with God about take these feelings from me. Like, why did you create me just to condemn me? Because in the Church of Christ, it is taught and programmed into you that if you are attracted to the same sex, that that is a sin and that is an abomination to God. Um, and so growing up, if you can imagine having those feelings of, of attraction for someone or men, people of the same sex, it's like that you know that what you have been programmed to believe is that you're an abomination. And if I'm an abomination of God, what is that going to be to my parents? And what are they going to do? Like all these things are going through my head. And I was resilient. I was able to wear my mask and wear it really well for 30 plus years 
because I realized that there was this attraction around the age of 10. And, you know, I just, I went through life and I, I prayed, I did, I read the Bible, I did everything that I thought I was supposed to do, except for talk to people about it. I never talked to anybody about what I was going through internally. Um, and so I got married. I thought that would help, right? It would take the feelings away if I did what I was supposed to do, right? Um, my ex-wife is a teacher and um, our son who just graduated in May decided he didn't want to go to college. He's going to go to, to tech school in the fall and next, next year. And as an educator, they impress upon kids all that you have to go to college. You have to go to college. Well, college isn't for everybody. And so, you know, doing things that you feel are the right thing to do aren't necessarily what is right for everybody, right? So, um, so yeah, we had uh, we had four children, as I stated earlier, and in 2016, I realized, and that was when I was 43. I realized that these conversations that I was having with God, <laughs> nothing was changing. He wasn't taking the feelings away. Um, and I studied enough to know that God loves me no matter what. And when I realized that and I began trusting myself to go through a transformation of living my truth and being who I was created to be and not hiding behind a mask, I discovered that I could divorce my parents. You know, at, at the age of 43, what was I doing? Right. I mean, it's like this is not the life that God intended for me to live. So um, I came out and let people I actually didn't come out. I chose to let people in. And that's the way I like to express it, because I didn't have to let people know. But I chose to let them know. And once I did that, Pearl, everything that I feared as a child happened. My parents pulled away. Um, I haven't really had a great conversation with my mom in seven years. Um, and as a child, even at the age of 50, <laughs> that hurts. Um, mom has Parkinson's now. She was diagnosed about two and a half, three years ago. She has slight symptoms. I don't know what that looks like. I have a feeling that um, I may be called into a hospital room in her end days. And then that's the time I'm going to be able to talk to my mom and let her know what's on my heart. And that breaks my heart because who I want memories right with mom. And I'm sorry, I'm getting upset. Um, but even to this day, I know I made the right decision Yeah, because I am able to now in my opinion, be a better father to my kids because they know, because they see at Christmas and birthdays and all the things, my ex-wife, everybody going to my parents' house, including my children, and dad's not there. Right. And so they see that. And I have been able to tell them, look, I don't care what happens, what you do, who you are, like, this is a safe space and I will always love you. You will always be welcome into my house and at my table. I may not agree with you. I don't like you all the time, right? But I will always love you. 
Right. And I think as parents, if we could understand that, and because I don't know if you know this, but of the homeless youth in America, (laughs) about, I think it's close to 70% of the homeless youth identify as LGBTQ+. Mm -hmm. Because they have been kicked out or they don't feel safe at their home or whatever. that, And so they're couch surfing at different friends' houses and this, that. And that is real, Pearl. Right. And I think as parents, if we could love our children. Right. You know, in an unconditional way, like it does not matter what you do. Yeah. I don't agree with it, but I'm still going to love you. Absolutely. I love that you said that too, because that's one of the things too, like with our boys, we always said, you know, our son, Matthew, who struggled with alcohol, he, you know, we helped him with rehab. He was doing really well. Um, But we always created, said our home is your safe space. No matter what, we may not agree with what you're doing. You know, this is your safe space with rules. Like we do have rules that you need to abide by, Mm -hmm. but this is your safe space. And so it, it, and it's so, so important. I think, you know, what happened was there was an age like with your parents and my parents that these things you just don't talk about. These things are not acceptable, you know, by whatever it's through a through faith or whatever they're being told. They just in their mind think I'm when it's not acceptable. And and this whole kind of and we're seeing it today, like, you know, you talked about your mom, my mom, same thing for me. Like I was there two weeks ago packing mm-hmm. up her house, going to we we have a chairlift we put in our home. She basically my upper level of my house could be like her apartment. We are creating space for her to live with us safely. Right. And fortunately, you know, in today's world of like what's happening in these politics, I never thought in my household I would see that because I live in a state that I live in, which is Florida, and mm-hmm. because I choose to not be vaccinated, don't you know, maybe you have a conversation with me why I've health issues that my my doctor who's pro-vaccine said I don't want you getting vaccinated because I was, I don't know. And I'm concerned for your health. I was like, I'm, I'm in for that. You know, I'm okay. He's my doctor. However, I never thought in my day and age that I would have an uncle who would threaten my livelihood and threaten to go on social media and say horrible things about me only because he didn't want my mom here because a, I'm not vaccinated and B, I live in Florida and C, who he thinks I voted for, which I thought I lived in America. Could we ever free this free? Never thought I'd have that cutoff. And my mother was willing. I mean, I watched it happen to me physically in front of me. I I thought I was having an out-of-body experience. I watched her say, my uncle was okay threatening to call the police and claim I was abusing her because we were just left to doctors who said she shouldn't be driving. Mm. It's like, you know, and I was like, wow, you know, and like you said, I, I mean, it's going to take, and thank you for being vulnerable here with us. It's going to take the day she's on her deathbed to say, I'm sorry. And at that point, I don't know that I will accept that apology. I don't know that mm-hmm. I will even show up. Like with my dad, when he became racist, I literally, I wrote him a text. I sent a message to all my family and said, while he's physically here, he is no longer of an able body to be my father. So right. when he does pass, I don't need to know. Because as far as I'm concerned, the man that I knew as my father has, has already passed away. And so I don't need to know those things. And those are all about the boundaries we have to set, even around difficult situations, even around people like our parents. And, you know, and it's, it's hard because that kid within us, you, you were very vulnerable showing that that was that child within you. We want the love of our parents. We still, even at 59 years old as I am, still want my mother to fight for me. And I watched her physically sitting next to me, not fight for me with my uncle. And I was like going, Mm -hmm. And I literally said to her with my brother and my husband on the phone going, you're okay with this behavior? Like, 
you're, I'm 59 years old. My son is deceased and I still fight for him when people say things like, oh, he committed suicide, which he didn't, you know, all these different things. And I'm like, you fight for your kids, you know? So, so yeah, you're right. And I, and it's important like you do with your kids and I taught my kids. And if you are a parent listening, it's not too late to set that safe space. I don't care if your child is a baby or if your child is 70 years old, it's not too late to create safe space to stay like with you, Matt. Matt, I understand. I may not understand it. I may not agree with it. And I may not like it. However, I love you. You are my child. I love you. And help me understand. Just help me understand and help me to have the relationship with you that we need to have for one another as mother, daughter, siblings, whatever that is, right? We have to, it's never, ever too late. And, you know, I, I love that you, that you and like me and those that are listening, please set that space for our children. Because you're affecting other generations to come. You are showing them how to parent before they become that parent. And it's so, so important to do that, you know? And and like you said, like I wrote down, like at 10 years old, you were having these feelings where you didn't understand it. And because of the faith, you didn't know who to go talk to and you were afraid to talk to, right? And so you weren't living your truth as you became this adult. You were living the truth that you thought somebody out the the idol of other people's opinions, right? And and to those that are listening, this applies in everything, not just your sexuality. It applies in everything. Are you living your truth? And why are you not living your truth? Are you are you saying yes? Like I tell everybody, I'm a um, I'm an overcoming people pleasing addict. You know, because you could ask me to fold your socks, and I'd be like, I'll be there in five minutes. That's the kind of people pleaser I was, right? So, are you doing the things because you? Are, are, you're an avoider. You don't want people to see what's really inside your home and your life and what you're doing. So you're doing that imposter syndrome. Are you a people pleaser? And you feel like I have to say yes to everybody because that's what, if I don't, they're going to think I'm a, this terrible person. And then letting people in like Matt, I love you said, let people in, you know, that's so powerful. Like what are we doing in our lives to let people in to see our truth that we're living? And, and when we don't do that, I really believe we can't be that, I like to call it that shiro. You know, I, I like to talk about how you become uh-huh. a shiro. I coach women, but men can, men, are, men can be shiros too. It's not a feminine thing for me. It's about becoming stronger, becoming happier, becoming empowered to live our truth and to let people in. And then as you do that, you do things like you're doing, stepping on stages, talking to people like me. And so you become like this glow up, you become radiant in what your truth is. It's starting to shine in your life. And yeah. then because you're doing that, you're living that original life you're supposed to live. That when God brought you here to this earth, he said, I have a plan for you. If you follow the plan and listen to me, you will be doing great things for yourself, but you'll also help others do great things with what the plan is. And yeah. I feel like that that's what you're doing, Matt. I feel like you are living that truth. You're letting people in. You're being vulnerable like you're here today. And for those that are listening, I'm going to encourage you to go watch us on the YouTube channel too. I mean, Matt, you know, I, Matt shed a, a little tear came down his eyes. And for me, I love that because I love when everybody, whether you're a man, female, you're a child, to vulnerably show our feelings, we have to do that because we tell everybody in this world, don't do that. Don't let people see yeah. your truth. Don't let people in, right? And yeah. and yeah, so I would love to know, Matt, if you want to add anything to that, but also share with us like how, so your kids, you have four kids, amazing, amazing kids, it sounds like. And I love that you said 
Because you're right. Not everybody can go to college. And so it's okay to make different choices, right? Mm -hmm. But I love that you share that. But tell us how, like, I know it probably was really a, a, a lot of stuff for your wife, for your kids. Like, how did letting them into that world that you live, how did that change? And what? how did that go for you? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. I do want to talk about one thing that I did say about when I came, when I let people in that I, um, I felt that it was okay to divorce my parents. Like I came to that realization that, you know, they may react the way that I had always played over and over and over for 30 plus years in my mind of what would take place. Right. And I knew that that may actually happen. Um, but I also was hopeful that it wouldn't. Right. I was hopeful that maybe I had been wrong all these years and my parents would have like been like, oh, you know, we knew <laughs> we were just waiting, you know, whatever that was. But um, but yeah, but and as the story goes, as my story goes, it didn't um, happen that way. It happened as I had played in my mind. And um, and so anyway, so that being said, when you made the comment about with your parents, like in my mind, I just told my siblings this maybe a few months ago, like I have come to the realization that the mom and dad that I knew are dead. And I would rather not know what's going on in their life. I don't want them to know about me. Like if they want to know about me and what's going on in my life, they can pick up the phone and call me and say, Hey, it's been a while. How are you? What's going on? Right. Um, but you know, if it does come down to, you know, being on a hot in a hospital bed and my mom says, Hey, get Matt here or whatever, like, I don't know that I would go like, I just, mm, that's, I'm going to cross that bridge when it comes. But, um, but yeah, so there's that as far as my children and my ex-wife and all that, that w went into that. Um, I'll go with my children first. I raised them the same way I was raised, Pearl. So my oldest was 15 and I'm going to get emotional here again. Um, she was 15 and, um, of course, she was the leader of the children, right? So I specifically remember that day when my ex-wife wanted me to have that conversation with the children as maybe a week or two after I had um, let her in. And, um, and she wanted to be present. And I was adamantly opposed because I wanted to speak to each one of my children separately. I had a 15-year-old daughter, a 13-year-old daughter, an 11-year-old son, and an eight-year-old daughter, right? So what you tell an eight-year-old <laughs> is different than what you tell a 15-year-old, right? And so, but she insisted, and I was like, this is not a battle I want to, you know, die on the hill for. So, okay, we'll do it. That was the worst day of my life. Um, Just to see my kids' reaction, my ex-wife going off the rails in front of my children and having an emotional breakdown in front of that. Like it was just, it was bad. Um, and from that point, my daughter, my oldest daughter, um, she told me that I was going to hell. Um, could not understand, you know, what was going on, why I was doing this. And in reality, Pearl, this is what was going in my mind too. Like my life was good in 2016. I didn't have to do anything. I I had chosen to be heterosexual, right? I mean, I, I didn't have to do anything to change the trajectory of my life in 2016. I could have continued on 
continue to wear the mask, continue to play that role that I was in. And I chose not to. And I'm so glad that I didn't, because if you are watching or if you're listening, go to the YouTube channel. I shared this on um, Michelle's podcast, but this is me. This is me in 2012 before, and this is me in 2022. Now, these are Texas driver's license photos. Um, I did not do anything to doctor them up. Um, I weighed the same in both photos. So you can see me as I'm struggling, going through life, and this is me in 2022. Um, so much joy. I look healthier. I look younger. <laughs> in my opinion, I do. So all that being said, my oldest daughter called me up about probably about three years um, after she had gone to, to college. And she called me up one night and she was like, Dad. And it was like at 1030. She never calls at 1030. Right. And she was like, have you ever seen the movie Love, Simon? And I said, yeah, I have. And she said, well, me and my roommates just watched it. And she said, um, I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I treated you. Um, and this movie helped me realize what you had probably been going through all those years. Um, and from that point on, we've had a great relationship. Um, and I think, too, that when children get out from under the bubble that they live in and they can explore, they can form opinions for themselves and live their lives. Like my second oldest daughter is in Paris, France, going to school. This is her third year. And when I asked her why did she want to do that or what was driving her to do that, she said, because I want to find myself. I don't want to always be known as Matt's daughter or Amy's daughter. Like, I want my own identity. And as a father, that made me so proud that I had raised my children and one of them was like, you know what? I'm going to go explore. I'm going to go do things that are out of the ordinary. I'm not going to be in that box, right? That so many people find themselves in. Um, so all that being said, um, you know, my mask was very heavy. And I know that other people out there that are listening to your podcast or watching, they have masks on too. And it's not just about sexuality. As you said, it may be a drug addiction. It may be porn addiction. It may be uh, a physical disability. It may be an emotion, like a, a mental disability. It may be all the things, right? It may be sexual trauma that was experienced. It could be so many things that we don't let people in. We keep that hidden and it eats away at us, just like hatred eats away at us. The only person that unforgiveness affects or not forgiving someone affects is us, right? It doesn't affect the other person. If we're going to sit and and just bask in the hatred and those bad feelings towards somebody, that only affects your mental health and your physical health. So think of the visual that I used a while ago. Wouldn't you want your demeanor and your face and your life to change in such a way that, and all I did, Pearl, was let people in. And I trusted the process. Did I lose people on the way? Yeah, I did. Did I gain people on the way? Yeah. Because people, what, what I have heard is people like authenticity. They they like people to be vulnerable, right? Um, and it, it has given them encouragement to do so as well. Um, 
it's hard to be vulnerable. It really, really is because we we have shame around whatever we're sharing. We we feel that there's going to be judgment coming, right? I mean, all the things. And if we can just understand that the people that are to be in our lives will be there to support you and love you through it, no matter what it is. And uh, I'm not going to say everybody's going to have the transformation I did, but wouldn't you like to know if you could? And the only way that's going to happen is by letting people know. I, you know, I, it's so true, like letting them in. I can, I just was sitting there picturing for those that are listening, like if you could have pictured that, that, you know, you want to let your kids in the way you want it to, and you're trying to respect your ex and how it all played out, what did not go. And you're right. What you tell an eight-year-old is totally different than you tell a 15-year-old. It's two different things, right? But, and you did the best you could. You try to honor what her wishes were. Um, and, and I just, I can't imagine like having your daughter. I mean, cause like, you know, as a daddy's girl, I never imagined my dad would do the things he's done, right? So it's so devastating as a daughter. And then to sit there and, and to watch, you know, your daughter have, you know, those those emotions and everything that they were going through. Um, but how cool it is that years later, something as simple as a movie could open her eyes to be like, oh, I get it now. You know, yeah. I understand it. Yeah. And for all at that time, I was fearful that I wouldn't be able to walk her down the aisle when she got mm-hmm. married. Wow. Yeah. And she's getting married in November in about a month. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to be walking her down the aisle. Oh, that is so, amazing. You know, those things that we may tell ourselves, like right. time does heal. Right. And it heals people who are willing to be healed. Exactly. Yeah. That's so, it's so true. That's exactly, it's so funny you said that. It's exactly what I said to my mom two weeks ago when I was leaving her house. You know, mm-hmm. literally, I came home, like, I got to get out of here because I didn't trust what was going to happen. And I said to her, I said, you know, um, cause she kept saying things like, oh, you're just like your dad. And, you know, throwing this, you know, trying to throw things at me. Right. And I was like, you know, I was looking at her and I was listening. To her. I said, no, you know what? I'm like what I teach my ladies to do. I'm teaching my boundaries. I'm saying you're not going to be in my balcony right now. You cannot be in my game of life right now. I'm saying to you, I have boundaries around you that this nurse, and I called it out right in front of me, like this narcissist behavior I don't accept and I don't receive. And I said, I go, what hurts the most is that things are going to be happening in your other grandson's life that you're going to miss out on over the next few months. Big things are probably going to happen for him. And it's going to be up to you to foster that relationship. I'm not going to be the the mom who says, okay, son, don't forget to check on grandma anymore. You have to now do that. And, you know, and to create those boundaries, it's, it's really yeah. important to have those strong boundaries, like with your mom, you know, and I get it and understand because from being in the same perspective, different reasons, you know, it, we have to protect our feelings. We have to protect our heart, you know, and, and I, at one point I remember my, I got a phone call that, you know, again, my dad and my mom play games. You know, I got this phone call saying that they thought my dad was in the hospital and he was dying. And I was like, well, you know, I, I literally said, I don't think it's true. I think it's attention, mm. which is sad. And I was right. Right. But my mm. husband said to me, he's like, what would you have done? I go, I wouldn't have gone because I would, I would then be saying your behavior was okay now. Right. But the cool thing that you said, and I feel like it's with your kids and your daughter showed it is no matter what we raise our kids the way we want them to be raised. And it was very telling for me um, about two years ago, my dad has taken a significant health turn. Um, and, you know, I always told my boys, I don't care what's happening with Papa and I, if you want a relationship, here's his phone number, tell me whatever. 
And I had come home about two years ago from visiting with my brother and he let me know that, hey, just so you know, this is what's happening. And I, and I said, okay, I'm going to go home. I came home and told my husband, I go, not that I need to see him. I'm good. I don't, I've made my peace with everything, but I don't want the boys to not have that opportunity if they want to. So mm-hmm. literally we were in two different cars. We were going to dinner and we were in two different cars because my oldest was driving his car. So my husband went with him and my youngest was driving with me in my car. And we, I say to my youngest in the car, hey, this is what's happening with Papa. If you want to go see him, I would be more than happy to either drive you up or fly you up so you can go see him. And he literally said, because my kids did reach out to my dad at one point. And my dad said, I don't have any grandkids. And he hung up. That's what he did to me, my kids. Okay. So I said to my son, if you want to, I will make, he goes, no, he doesn't have grandkids. I'm not going to go. I'm like, okay. And so I got to the restaurant and my, I let my oldest know and we sat down for dinner and he said the exact same thing, my younger, yeah. and like two different cars, like I said. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel great that I've set, taught them to set boundaries. You've taught your kids to be accepting to, yes, you raise them the way you said the same thoughts you were raised and everything. However, you, you said, I want to live my truth. I yeah. want to let people into my truth. And had you not done that, like that picture you put up is so telling. So those that are driving, I mean, two different pictures. One, you can just see not happy with life, like just living life. And the other one, you can see like a big smile, enjoying like your truth. And it's so powerful. That picture keeps showing that everywhere. Um, But I think you showed your kids that it's okay to live your truth. It's okay to let people in. And it's never too late. It doesn't matter how old you are. The other thing, too, I wanted to share is um, my oldest daughter, again, about maybe six months or so before the whole conversation about the movie, she called me up and she was like, Dad, I don't know what's going on, but two of my friends have come out. Like one is, you know, transsexual and another one is a lesbian and they've they've confided in me um, and told me their truth. And and she was like, I don't understand. Like nobody knows our story. Like I don't. She's like, I don't go out and tell our story to everybody. Right. And um, and I told her, I said, Caroline, it's because your aura is is one of acceptance, like people sense that. Right. Right. And it's not an aura of, oh, she's going to be judgmental. So that is a great thing. And and once I got off the phone after that conversation, I was like, wow, this is so powerful that my children are even transforming. Yeah, because you've shown them how it is to be accepting. You show them how it is to live the truth and to let people in. I think it's powerful. I actually, in my head, I'm like, I could see you and your daughter standing on stage together talking about that to mm. other, like, you guys should really talk about that, to sharing it with families, to share that, your story, and, you know, let her share her, her side of it and how she came to acceptance as well. I think it'd be a powerful story to share. So I'm just going to put that. So when you do okay. that, just Thanks make for sure. that seed. Yeah, when you do that, just <laughs> tell me and I'm going to come and support. So okay. Thank I you. just looked over and, oh my God, we are having such a great conversation. We have like just a few minutes left. So I um, tell everybody how they can find you. Yeah. So um, I do have a talk show as well. Um, it's called The Matt Hilton Show. It's on YouTube, Spotify, all the things, anywhere a podcast uh, can be put uh, published. So it is out there. Um, it's a weekly podcast. Every Wednesday, a new uh, episode drops. Um, and yeah, so excited about that. It's it's interviewing fascinating people with inspiring stories. Um, the other uh, way to get in touch with me, if there's anything real estate related, um, if it's uh, anybody moving anywhere within the United States, because I have a full network of agents, um, HiltonRealtyAdvisors.com is a great website to go to and do that search. 
Um, or you can you can always call me. Um, I don't know if I want to give my phone number out here, but they will find you anyway. <laughs> yeah, so we'll put all of that in the show notes so they can find you okay. as well. And um, I'm so excited you were on the show. Um, it's it's awesome to have the some of the opposite sex on our show for uh, every so often. We love it. Um, so everybody, I forewarned Matt that I'm going to do the better questions, better life. So if you're new to the show, we have these great cards are called Better Questions, Better Life. They're from my friend, Carol Gill. I get no feedback. I make no money on it. But these cards have been a huge impact in my life, especially over the last year with the loss of our son. But there's 77 different cards that just ask you questions that you can journal on, you can meditate on, you can just take a picture and think about it all day long. So Matt, I'm going to shuffle them. You're going to tell me when to stop. So here we go. All right. So Matt, your question is, what do I appreciate about me? How be fitting for our conversation today? Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What do I appreciate about me? So I appreciate my being able to live my truth, to be brave and courageous enough to do so. I appreciate my kindness towards other people. Um, I love to serve and I love to love. Those are my two words, Pearl, are love and service. And um, that's what I appreciate about me. I love it. And that's a lesson that everybody is. What do you appreciate about yourself? You know, living your truth, let people in. That's been our big theme today. And, and so I'm going to encourage you that if you're listening to us or you're watching us on YouTube to subscribe to us if you're watching us on YouTube, but to to talk about what you're going to do to live your truth and let people in. And so Matt, I want to thank you so much for coming on. And I just want to let every remind everybody that, you know, we we come into this world, we are this oyster, we are a little rough on the outside. But as you live your truth and you open up that oyster, you find your inner pearly greatness. And I hope you go out today and live your truth and find your way of letting people in. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you, Pearl. Hi, my name is Pearl Sharenza and I'm with Women Successful Living. And I want to tell you a little story. You see, once upon a time in the middle of COVID, I noticed that more and more women were overwhelmed. We were having to balance households. We're having to become teachers. We're having to work our job while we're trying to become a teacher. We were sitting in our home with our children and our spouses or our loved ones and feeling overwhelmed. We were lost for where we're going to find space in our own house. So I was feeling that this overwhelm was stressing women out more, that they felt like they could not have a Calgon take me away moment. They felt like everywhere they turn, somebody in the house would find them or their job wanted them on another Zoom meeting. And I just felt so sorry for these women as I spoke with them and felt the pain because I too was feeling sorry. I was feeling sorry that I couldn't go out and do the things I love to do. I could go out, yes, and take a walk and sit on my front swing, but I couldn't go to the community meetings and the fundraiser functions or go have lunch with a friend or go to the movies with my husband or just take a a moment away from everything that we're responsible for as moms and wives in our homes, right? You become that CEO mom and you're running a household. But then if you're working outside of the household, not only are you a CEO mom, and if you're asking what a CEO mom is, that's a mom who is running the household. Because let me tell you, you're not sitting around eating bonbons every day. You truly are running a business of a home. But then maybe you also work outside of the home. And here you are, you're trying to balance working in the home, working outside the home. And then maybe you have children and you're having to learn how to become a teacher because bless our teachers, they are trying to learn a whole new way of teaching through Zoom. And so as I spoke to the women in my community and my clients, I found they were also feeling all this overwhelm. They were becoming stressed. 
They were sitting in, in the home with all their children and their spouse, and they're going, I'm with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I love you, but I don't love you that much. Were you feeling that way too? So I found as they were feeling this way that I had to do something. And every day, about a month after into the pandemic, I decided to try something new. I decided to create a space where we could meet via Zoom. And yes, I know another Zoom meeting, really Pearl, but I just knew that was the only way that we could get together. And the rule was you had to go in a room where you could put a note in the door and say, I'm on a break. I'm on a timeout. Whatever you want to call it, you can make that note on your door. Because really we have to take time for ourselves in order to really take time and care for our family, our loved ones and our job the way we know we want to and we need to. So what I did is I created what we called our self-care Sunday evening. And it actually became Shiro's is what we ended up naming it. Because we as women, we are the hero of the house. We're the hero of everything we do for our family, our friends, our job, whatever that is that you're responsible for, right? But are you really the hero for yourself? So that became important to me. So one day I decided I want to pour into these women. So I brought them together on a Zoom meeting. We met Sunday evening, 8 p.m. We finished up by 9 p.m. We just had conversations. What was challenging them? What was the pandemic bringing up for them? How were they doing mentally? Were, were they doing something to take care of themselves? And if you heard me before, I say bathtubs and taking baths are not self-care, but really during the pandemic, sometimes that's all you could do was get in a tub with bubbles and take a few minutes for yourself, right? So as we poured into them, I, I noticed that they were starting to enjoy the self-care. They were starting to be less stressed. They were starting to communicate better with their family and their, and their loved ones because they could communicate why they were taking time for themselves. They were able to communicate that it's not that I don't love being with you. It's that because I love you so much, I need time for myself. So on Sunday evenings, we worked on things about self-care challenges. We created a challenge of self-care where every day they had to do something. It could be something that took them one minute, or if they wanted to, it could be something that took them an hour. But it was their job to do something for themselves every single day. And then because of that, they they saw that their family, they were worried that their family might feel make them feel guilty. So we started incorporating ways that they could do self-care for ourselves as we also did something with our family, right? So in some cases, we found that we were sitting, we had moms sitting and just watching TV, silly cartoons with their children, that's self-care, right? Or maybe playing a puzzle game or putting a puzzle together. And then when it came to their spouses, we found that they were sitting and finding movies on Netflix or writing, playing cards, or even we gave them a challenge. We have a friend that has these great cards they are called Better Questions, Better Life. We even would pull a card and have a discussion with our loved one around that card. And then as they were working from home, some of the, our, our professional women were finding that their jobs were having much more demand on them, but because they were home, they could actually kind of have more time they could grab for them. Oh, well, you're home all day long, so you really don't need to take a break. So they started finding that some of their jobs and their bosses were expecting them to give more. So we talked about how to set boundaries around our schedules. We talked about how to set boundaries around how much we want to be on Zoom. And as we did that, we found that the women were less stressed and they were actually performing their job performance better. They were having better and more improved relationships with their loved one, with their children. And some of them also had family that were in nursing homes. So we were creative on how to 
spend that time with their loved ones, but also making sure that they were taking care of themselves. So as we did this, I saw that it was a need that needed to continue. So even though the pandemic, is, as we know it today, is over, I found that the women loved this so much, we needed to continue this. And who knew that three years ago when I started this, that it would grow into what we have today, this amazing community of women that we still meet every Sunday evening from 8 to 9 p.m. We talk about things that bring us joy. We talk about challenges we're having in our lives. We're talking about things we're having to overcome. We have some women that are struggling in their marriages. We're talking about how we pour into them and how to help them work through communication. We have amazing, amazing guest speakers that come in every month. We've had Jane Pilker come in and talk up to us about our mind and the neurological part of our mind when it comes to our eating and our health and sugar and how it affects our body. We've had Sets and Tora come in and talk to us about the smile method and how we have things such as just the smile within us that can make things like mock acceptance where we're accepting things because we think we have to accept them. Like for instance, my loss of my son, Matthew, I never knew that when I created this group three years ago, almost now, how much I needed these women. And because I have this community of women around me, I met Seth and Seth taught me about mock acceptance. And he taught me that, yes, I was accepting the loss of my son, but I wasn't truly believing that he was lost. And I was sort of like going through the motions. So ever since I have put this group together, this community of women, we have watched the women flourish. We have watched them have less stress. We've watched them communicate better with their loved ones. We've watched them put boundaries around their self-care so that they can achieve the things they want to, so that they can put their cape on first as they pour into their family even better. And ever since we've started this self-care Shiro group, it has grown where we now at our retreats, we have women joining us during our retreats. We meet every year. We have a retreat in September. It's a pajama retreat. You come in your PJs, no makeup. You have about four days at the beach, sometimes the mountains, depending on the year. We just have sessions and breakout groups on how do we improve on our self-care? How do we continue to communicate our needs to our loved ones? How do we find what our goals are and our visions are? And how do we bring those to fruition? Because how many of you ever sat back and said, I have this big goal and I really want to do it, but nobody believes I can do it. I want you to know that we believe in you. We know that you can do it. And so if this is something that you want to learn more about and come and enjoy a great way to end your week and begin your week, I would love for you to join us because on top of our speakers, we also have an amazing meditation coach where she empowers us to sit down and just take some quiet time for ourselves and just be in our own space as we reflect on what we truly want within. And I am so honored to watch the progress and the growth that the women in this community have accomplished. And I cannot wait to see what's coming up for all of them and hopefully for you. And if this is something you would love to learn more about, I would love to invite you to come and visit us one Sunday evening. Like I said, it's a great way to end your week and a great way to start your week. What better to know that you've got a balcony of people sitting and waiting for you to join them, have a cup of tea maybe, and just do some laughing, maybe a little crying, but no matter what, know that you've got a girlfriend there to have your back. 
So if you're ready to check out the Shira League, I would love for you to join us. All you have to do is email me at pearl at wsliving.com. That's pearl at wsliving.com. And I would love to connect you. I hope today you know that we've all come into this world. We're a little oyster. We might be a little rough on the outside, but on the inside, you have a pearl. And I hope you find your pearl to greatness today as you become the Shiro I know you are. My name is Pearl Sorenza. Do you know what your score is for your self-care? Find out today. Go to pearlssurvey.com. That's pearlssurvey.com and see what your score is today. 